empowered. Acts chapter one, we're gonna read from Acts chapter one. And I wanna get to the core today of why he's giving us power. So why don't you stand to your feet for honor of reading the word. Word, Berkeley Springs do the same thing. Stand up over there in Berkeley Springs. Acts chapter six, Acts chapter one, verse six. You can read it on the screen. They got paper Bibles still. You can get it on your phone. However you want to do it, just get the word in you. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come the same way as you saw him go. Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we pray to be an empowered church, but for the right reasons. Fill us with your spirit today, Lord. We thank you for this moment that we have with each other, but more importantly with you. You can change our lives in a moment, in one word. Thank you for that. It's in your precious name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. We've covered this a lot over the last couple of months that Jesus had died and resurrected on the third day. And then over a period of about 40 days, he's revealing himself to people. He's um, proving that he's alive. He's eating with them. He's teaching them. He's, he's letting Thomas touch his side where the spear went in. He's, he's letting him touch his hands where the nails pierced his hands. He's He's confirming that he is who he said he was. We read here in Acts, the beginning of Acts, that he's got one last meeting with the disciples. Now, I don't think they knew it was going to be his last meeting. But he has one last meeting with him, and then he ascends into heaven. The Bible says that he, that he, he, he begins to raise up into a cloud, and the cloud takes him up and disappears from their sight and they're standing there dumbstruck to the point where they're not moving. They're not doing anything. They're just standing there looking up and two angels are like, Hey man, he's gone. Go do what he said. And the same Jesus who went this way will be coming back this way one day. Now I've, I don't know if you call it a privilege, but I've I've been in hospital rooms when people take their last breath. It's not a great part of the job. But it is, it, it, it is a, an honor to be with somebody when some of the most important things they're going to say are getting ready to come out. Nobody says frivolous things when they're getting ready to leave you. At the, when, when, when they're coming to the end, nobody's talking frivolously. Nobody's, nobody's going, Hey, what's the weather going to be like next week? No, there's not those conversations. It's, it's, um, take care of the kids, you know, big things. And I've been in those circumstances. 
The disciples didn't know it, but Jesus, this was the last time he was physically going to be with them. It was an important meeting. He called them together. And they end up having this conversation that Luke records in Acts. They're having a conversation about power. But it's, but it's opposite ends of the spectrum. The disciples ask, Lord, are you now going to restore your kingdom to Israel? It's more of a political power question. Are, are, you going to, are you going to get us out from under Roman rule? Are you going to pull the, the heavy-handed Roman authority off of us finally? And are we going to be a free people? Is this finally going to happen? To which Jesus replies, nah. He's like, look, I don't know the time or dates the Father has set for those type of things to happen. But if you want to talk about power, we can have that conversation. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So remember, there's one conversation going on, but two different perspectives about about power. The conversation is about power, but the disciples' idea of power and Jesus' idea of power are far apart. The disciples are saying, can we have some political power finally? Can we finally get in charge of something? We're, we're sick of the taxes. We're sick of this. We're sick of that. Can you find? Matter of fact, one of the disciples was a zealot, a political zealot. Like, like, like that's the way he thought. Now he had followed Jesus. He had become a disciple. But you can imagine now, if you've got a guy who died and resurrected, I mean, I think we got somebody that could get elected here. We got somebody that could reign in some authority. We got, we believe he's the Messiah. There's nothing that can hold us back. Now is the time to strike. You can set up your kingdom. And we, we know James and John's mother had approached Jesus at one point in time and said, Hey, when you come into your, when you come into your kingdom, can one of my sons sit on your right and one of my sons sit on your left? So you can imagine the, the atmosphere the disciples were thinking, man, now's the time. Establish your kingdom where you're going to put us in charge. This will be great. Jesus didn't even give him a maybe. He said, no. Matter of fact, I don't know. I don't even know when those dates are. I'm not, they're not revealed to us yet, but here's what is going to happen. You're going to receive power when the Holy spirit comes upon you. Now, why is this significant? Because up to that point in time, Jesus had been, had his public ministry walking with them. So all the power that they had witnessed and been a part of had been because of his physical presence with them. It was like, you know, having a big brother that could whoop everybody. Like you felt powerful because you were with somebody that was powerful. So it was a, it was a proximity thing to him physically. And then he died and they got a little freaked out about that. But then when he resurrected, they realized, oh wait, he's still here with us. So this is a good thing. So their conversation was, since you're still here with us, display your power, put us in charge, get us out from under the Romans. Jesus knew that he wasn't staying. That he was going to be ascending right in front of them into heaven. And so he was saying, listen, because I'm not going to physically be with you, the Holy Spirit will be. 
It was not a contradictory statement when he told them to go into all the world and make disciples and I'll be with you to the end. He wasn't, he wasn't lying back then. He was confirming it now. He was saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you, which is still God. Just won't, you won't be able to physically look at him, but he will indwell you with power and you will be able to do what I've called you to do. Now, the important thing is here, Jesus is saying, I know this is what you want, but this is what you need. Politics are a funny thing. They're a funny thing, aren't they? It seems like America now just stays in one constant state of political turmoil. You don't have to say amen, Berkeley Springs is. Who gets elected? What do they do after they get elected? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we stay, the church stays worked up about it. The church, it's just this constant. You know what I figured out? Politics can change things, but they, it never changes people. Let me ask you, this is a rhetorical question. Don't shout out. That would be weird. How many of you in the last two, three, four, let's say five years have had a conversation with somebody about politics or let's say coronavirus or anything like that. And at the end of the conversation, they went, you know what? You're right. I'm going to change my mind about that. I'm going to raise my kids different. It's good that I ran into you at Walmart and told me the person I voted for was a piece of trash. I'm glad you said that to me. Now my eyes have been opened and now, now I'm just, now I'm wise to the whole thing. I understand I'm enlightened now because of our political conversation. That's what I thought. You do that at Walmart, you're getting a cart banged into you. That's what's going to happen. Somebody's going to grab their kids and pull them real tight when you walk by. Don't, don't go around them. The strange part was the disciples were asking for things to change, but not the way God intended them to change. Because politics never saved anybody. Governments don't have the capacity to save people. Governments can kind of shape culture and what's what's right and what's wrong in those moments. Governments have the capability to say what we're going to punish and what we're going to, what we're going to applaud and governments have the capability to do that. But governments really never changed anybody. If you think the law is dumb, you still think it's dumb. Just because it's a law doesn't mean you went, oh, I'm a believer. No, there's, there's things every day that we abide by, but we don't believe in. So the disciples were coming to Jesus, asking him for a solution to something that would never work. Jesus had come to save the world. He said he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He, he came so that none would perish, but all would inherit eternal life. So that meant they had to have an experience of an encounter with Jesus. They had to have They had to know that Jesus was the Messiah and setting up an earthly kingdom wouldn't have gotten that done. Hey, wouldn't it be great if we could get out from under Roman rule, then we could force everybody to believe in you. Wouldn't that be great? Inadvertently, you'd be just like the Romans. 
One conversation's two different mentalities about power. The disciples were looking for a quick fix to their pain. If you, if you come into your kingdom and you remove the authority that is currently over us, our lives will get better. If we don't have to pay taxes to Romans, everybody's got more money in their pockets. Oh, doesn't this sound familiar? If we, if we, if you just, if you just do it this way, if you set this up, Lord, Lord, we know you'll be perfect at it. I could see it now yard signs for Jesus. Throw out the Romans. Jesus is here. You can have political rallies and all kinds of exciting things. Jesus is our homeboy. Jesus said, I don't even, I don't even want to talk about that. Matter of fact, that's not even for me to talk about. But here's what I do want to talk about. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I'm glad he didn't leave it there. Because um, power without a purpose is extremely dangerous. Power with no purpose is unbelievably dangerous and can be really haphazard. That's why we don't give kids cars. That's why we don't give them things until they learn the purpose of it. Yeah. It's one thing to have a weapon to go hunting, but that it's a, it's power with a purpose. It's one thing to have a computer and access when you have purpose. But if, but if you give, if you give that same power to somebody, it can be wielded in all kinds of different ways. So Jesus says, I'm not only going to give you power, but, but lean in a second. I need to give you the purpose behind the power. I need to give you at the you're going to receive power to be a witness. Okay. All right. I mean, we're tracking with you, but that's not as sexy as what we were thinking. We were thinking kingdom stuff, man. Billboards. We were thinking cool stuff. We were thinking buildings. Government. We were thinking we'd be in charge. Maybe have a corner office. Overlooking the temple or something. I mean, it'd be sweet. Weekends off. We could have a lot of federal holidays. Power to be a witness. Okay. Power to be a witness. Power to be, if I came to you today and said, hey, listen, God wants to give you power, power to have, live a perfect life. God wants to give you power for all your friends to like you. God wants to give you power to get insta-famous. God wants to give you power. We'd all be like, okay, man, tell me how to do it. And church, churches every Sunday are full of people trying to find three steps to have a better thing. Four steps to have a better marriage. Five steps to, so your kids don't flip out. Six steps so you can get a promotion at work. Seven steps. Now we're getting, nobody does seven steps to anything. It's way too much work. Three and a half steps to have more money in the bank. Jesus said, I'm going to give you power to be a witness. 
I mean, it feels like he's leaving something out, doesn't it? It feels like you died and resurrected and that's it. Power to be a witness. All right. All right, James, John, all you guys, we're going to go back and pray. Start witnessing. We're going to be a witness. Probably not as good as a kingdom, but we're going to give it a shot. And the church started. The church started. About 10 days later, the day of Pentecost came, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the power came, the purpose became really clear. And so they began being witnesses. One conversation, two different types of power. The problem that we face in the United States in a lot of cultures that we live in is political power has enormous limitations. It changes with the culture. Depending on who's in charge, they're kind of, they get to determine what's right and what's wrong. And as, and as our country has evolved into what it is today, right and wrong has changed time and time again. There's things that come on my TV today that would have never come on TV when I was a kid. Right and wrong looks different depending on who's running the show. Jesus wasn't telling them, look, we need a political solution to this. He was saying, we need a godly solution that's going to change people. But you know how we are as people. We want it. We want it the way we want it, don't we? This, this goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Read in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4. Israel was in a place where they had been led by prophets appointed by God. That God would say, this is the guy that's going to lead today. And, and, and they would lead in a godly way and lead with godly care in the way God wanted them to do it. And it was the way he set it up. And all of a sudden the people went, we don't like that. We'd like a better political solution. Not more of you, but more of us. You can read that in 1 Samuel chapter 8. It says, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, behold... You are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now, if you've ever been in charge of anybody, that's the two things that you don't want to hear. We love you, Samuel, but dude, you're old and your kids are crazy. I mean, I think this thing's run its course. That's what they told him. You're old and your kids aren't great. Listen to the next verse. Now point for us a king to judge us like all the nations. Lord, we want to be like them more than we want to be like you. Now, fast forward to the disciples. Last conversation with Jesus before he ascends. And what do they say? Make us a great kingdom. Our desires never changed. Make us a great kingdom, Lord. Make us a great kingdom. And so all the way back in the Old Testament, when Israel got their first king, it wasn't because God had gotten sideways with them. It wasn't because he stopped leading them well. It's because as a, as a people, they went, hey, I mean, the guy you put in charge is kind of old and his kids are wacky. So we think what they are doing is better than what you're doing. So give us more of what they have and less of what you have. 
When Jesus is getting ready to descend, what do the disciples say? Let us be a kingdom like everybody else, but with benefits. Like a Messiah for king. That would be great. Jesus said, you're still not getting it. You're still not getting it. You're still not getting it. Go all the way back to Old Testament. And if you keep reading in chapter 8 of 1 Samuel, you realize that Samuel is bummed. And God says, listen, you go back and tell him what getting a king is going to look like. Ain't going to be fun. He's going to take your kids and he's going to put them to work. He's going to tax you. He's going to do all these crazy stuff. I say, amen, we know. So he says this to Samuel. They didn't reject you. They rejected me. They wanted more of what everybody else had and less of what I had for them. The disciples at this moment, they're not bad people. They're just not thinking heavenly. They're still thinking earthly. If we could get out from under this Roman authority, if we could get our own type of government, if we could have Jesus as the king, if we could do this the way we want to do it, everything would get better. And I'd be able to go to, I'd be able to go to Chick-fil-A every weekend. Have some extra cash in my pocket. Sorry, on Saturday, they're not open on Sunday. Jesus said, I'm not into that. Matter of fact, I don't even want to talk politics with you. I want to talk about witnessing. I want to talk about what I want for you. All the way back with Samuel and the Israelites, like Jesus said, God said, hey, Samuel, don't worry. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. What I want for them. So now fast forward, Jesus is getting ready to ascend. He said, listen, I know what you want, but I need you to hear what I want for you. Because it's not just what I want for you. It's what I want for the whole world. Remember why I came? I came that nobody would perish, but all would inherit eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. That was still his mission. And so what it required was for the people that were currently following him to go out into the world and tell everybody else. That's what it would require. Now, wouldn't it have been a lot easier if Jesus would have just established his kingdom and made the rule that you had to believe in him? And that would have been so much easier. I could have not prepared a sermon and just walked up there this morning and you went, you know what you're supposed to do. It's been decreed, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If not, and we could have had physical consequences and we could have had rules and regulations and all that stuff. But Jesus said, go out and witness the people. Where politics fell short, Jesus said, you go And the power of the Holy Spirit would help you change people's lives. Matter of fact, if you change people's lives, you won't have to worry about politics. Where one falls short, the other one excels. And where the one has a big hole in it, the other one fills it. All right. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. Now, here's the problem in the United States. Now, I need to let you understand something. I'm a red-blooded American. I love living here. It's, it's like, I think I've been to a lot of different countries, and this is the best. 
you're, you're allowed to say amen. Some of you are like, eh. No, I've been to a lot of other countries. This is the best. Matter of fact, a couple months ago, I ran into a guy from Scotland, which I thought Scotland, you know, Braveheart. I thought, man, this place is awesome. It's one of my favorite movies, Freedom. So I'm talking to this guy from Scotland. He's lived here about 12, 15 years or something like that. And I'm thinking, Scotland, man, so exotic and rolling hills and Mel Gibson. Um, And I said, um, hey, what's the big deal? Why would you move here? Like any American would love to go to Scotland and hang out. He said, this is the freest place on the planet. And I went, really? And he goes, oh yeah, you can do anything you want here. And this was, God wasn't young. He was in his fifties. He, he was, he knew the difference. And I was standing there, I was like, I'm proud to be an American. And you know, I was like, I wanted the flag to come up behind me. I was like, yeah, man, finally, you guys have figured it out. I felt all patriotic and stuff. Um, I'm so thankful to live in America where we have these freedoms, mask or no mask. We can meet in church. We do this thing we do together. If we want to start another church, Berkeley Springs, you do what you want. If you want to, if you want to be generous, you can be generous. If you want to, if you want to tell people about Jesus, you're still at liberty to tell people about Jesus. Amen. Like it's, like it's amazing that we live here. It's, it's like so awesome that it's not hard. Did you hear that? It's so awesome that it's not hard. So I started thinking, if, if, why, why would you need power for something that's easy? How many of you ever picked something up and when you, as soon as you looked at it, you're like, I can pick that up myself. All the men in the room knows what this feels like because um, we don't need people in general. So what happens is you see something and you're going to pick it up. You've already sized it up. You're like, I got that. Somebody walks over. Hey, you need help? No, 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 no. Don't misinterpret anything I'm doing here with needing you to do it. So I'm going to pick this thing up. Simple. So we pick it up pretty easy. I don't need any more power. I don't need any more power. It's easy to pick up. I don't need power. What do I need more power for? It's easy to pick up. I just picked it up. Matter of fact, I'll use one hand to pick it up. It was super easy. You know what the issue with America is, is spreading the gospel in America has been super easy. I was at a wedding this past weekend um, in South Carolina and we were in this big church in the middle of nowhere, like more nowhere than Hedgesville. No stoplights, no houses, nothing. We pull around this corner and boom, there's this church that seats like 1,400 people. I looked at my brother and I was like, where do people drive from to get here? Like, is there a town that I'm not seeing? And he said, no, this is the South. Everybody goes to church here, whether you believe in Jesus or not. Is what you do on Sunday morning. You just go to church. 
And I went, oh man, that's been easy. That's been easy. Hmm. So if I pick up the thing by myself, I don't need any help. I don't need any power. I don't do it myself. It's been easy. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, because of our political situation in the United States, spreading the gospel has been. Hmm. So here's, here's the issue that we run into with stuff being easy. If there was power afforded to you to do something that otherwise would be difficult, we tend to then use that power to try to get something else. You follow me still? Okay. So the power that was meant to empower us to advance the gospel, since advancing the gospel in the United States is easy, you, you can walk over to your neighbor's house and go, hey, how are you doing this week? Oh man, I'm going to church. You should try it out. I, I, may, I may do that one day. Nobody's going to call the police and throw you in jail. Hey, I heard that our neighbors were going to church. We're going to have to turn them in. That's not here. So, but Jesus, Jesus told me that I can receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on me, but I don't need any help because people just go to church. People just, this is just what it does. So what we started doing was we started trying to use the power for something else besides witnessing, like more money. And along came what we call the prosperity gospel. Everybody believes in Jesus. So now let's all get rich. Hmm. It didn't work out real well, did it? We started saying things like, well, well God's always going to heal you. And he gave us the power of the Holy Spirit to see miracles. And we'll just lay hands on everybody. Everybody will be healed all the time. And we'll just walk around. And why do people love, why will people come to Jesus? Because nobody in this church ever gets sick. <laughs> that didn't work out real well either. Your kids will listen all the time. You got the power of the Holy Spirit. Your kids will listen all the time. My, my dad believed in the power of the Holy Spirit and a belt. And use them in equal force. And sometimes I thought the belt was more powerful than the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you that right now. So we kind of started trying to subvert the power that was supposed to be for proclaiming Christ to people for things that we wanted. And we hijacked it. And church turned into just a feel-good experience and three ways where we could get everything to line up perfectly. And, and then, and then the, the issue is when life didn't really go our way, then, then, then our faith fell apart. Can, can I read you something? If Jesus told the disciples, you'll receive power to be a witness, it might meant they needed it to witness. That in order to do it consistently in every circumstance for a long time and be effective at it, that it may be, it may be beyond our own strength. But in America, we kind of got lulled to sleep because, I mean, it's written on our money. We all trust in God, right? It's just what we do. We're out here in Hedgesville. Good church people out here. <laughs> Can I read you something? 
Paul, um, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter. And he's, he's kind of boasting a little bit because there's, there's a little bit of people saying, Hey, listen, you're not matching up. You don't, you're, you're not, you know, we, why should we listen to you? So he kind of takes the bait here. Second Corinthians chapter 11, listen to what he says, but whoever, but whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. And he says, I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonment. This is where it gets good. Far greater labors, far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received the hand, hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day. I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's a daily pressure on me and my anxiety for all the churches. Now, I thought this would be great. The band's going to come up. I thought this would be great. What if we took our volunteer cards that are in the seat in front of you and we pulled them out and said, join a team. And we'll be sure God empowers you because in the near future, your life it's going to be awful. But it'll be the best awful you can ever imagine because you'll be empowered. Did you read that? When I was, when I was reading it, were you, were you glancing at it? Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will come on you to be my witness. Jerusalem, they had already crucified Jesus. They weren't real fond of Christians. Judea, Samaria, there was a race deal there and, 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 and they didn't get along. They didn't get along for centuries. Jesus was saying, you're going to need power to go into a place that you guys have never got along and be a witness about me being the Messiah, Messiah to the ends of the earth, through the whole Roman empire. The Romans at that time were not fans of Christians. It was under Pontius Pilate that Jesus was crucified with his blessing. They weren't looking for more followers of Christ. So here's what happened. He was like, because it's like this, you'll need power to endure through it and keep doing what I've called you to do. Amen. Now it's starting to make a little sense. So what's happened is Satan has done a a masterful stroke. He lulled the church into sleep because we didn't need the power. Because for centuries, the political thing told everybody it was okay to be a Christian. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> so now culture is changing. Come on, somebody say amen. Culture is changing. Culture is changing rapidly. There's more and more people not associating with churches anymore. There's more and more people not associating with Jesus anymore. There's more and more people not going, I don't know. I don't know. You're not allowed to say that anymore. You're not allowed to say that anymore. You're not allowed to say that. You can't do this. Can't do that. Can't do this. Can't do that. And what do we do? We're going back like the disciples are going, God, establish your kingdom here. Establish your kingdom here. 
We got to elect the right people, get the right laws, get their, they've never changed anyone's mind. And no matter who we elect, no matter what law we try to enact, the culture keeps going down in the ditch, down in the ditch, down in the ditch. And Jesus is standing in heaven saying, I gave you power. I've given you power not to set up political regimes, but to change people's lives. I've given you the power. It was to be, it was a little delayed, but I'll take it. I've given you power. Why have you been holding back? Why have you been, why have you been, why have you been praying about just bettering your life? The power of the Holy Spirit will allow us to be kind and serve people even when our life stinks. The power of the Holy Spirit will let us be a witness even if it leads up looking like Paul where we suffer. The power of the Holy Spirit will let us to proclaim Jesus even if we're not healed, even if we are broke, even if our kids don't listen, which they won't. power of the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to witness in every single one of those circumstances, no matter who's in charge. Stand to your feet. I'm going to leave you with this. The fastest growing church on the planet right now, fastest growing church on the planet right now is in Iran. There's no buildings. There's no LED signs. There's no parking attendants. There's no, there, there, there's no coffee bar. It's in Iran and it's led mostly by women. You know why? Because they get excited after conferences. No, 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 that's not why. That's not why. Because the believers in Iran realize what Jesus was saying in Acts chapter one about you will receive power to be a witness everywhere. And no matter how difficult it gets or who's in charge or whether our freedoms are going away or whatever that's happening, we will witness to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah and the church in Iran is growing at almost 20% every year. The fastest in the planet. The second fastest place on the planet is Afghanistan. Really not two bastions of freedom. But they have tapped into the Holy Spirit's power for the right purpose. And they're not trying to get rich. They're not trying to get a perfect life. They're trying to witness to the fact that Jesus came to save everybody. Amen. I'm going to leave you there with this one last thing. Here's the problem with America. The church in America is not growing as fast as the population. Population in America is growing about 1% a year. The church is growing at 0.08% a year. You know why? Because we want the power for everything else but to witness. We want the power for everything else. Lord, why do I have to have so much stress in my life? Lord, why, do, why can't this go my way? Why can't that go my way? And everybody's looking at us and they're going, if, you can't, if Jesus saved you and you can't even keep it together... It's time for the church to rise up. I don't care who's in charge. It's time for the church to rise up. I don't care what the culture says. It's time for the church to rise up. I don't care who got elected. It's time for the church to rise up in every season, in every difficulty, in every county, in every state. The church to rise up and say, Lord, empower us like you promised. Because I'm not sure the culture gets any better. But in, in spite of that, he's empowered us to preach this gospel and to serve people and to see lives change for the kingdom. That's what he empowered us to do. That was it. That was it. 
And so we have the option to keep begging for a kingdom or begging for power. And I want to do the power thing. Amen. Can we do that this morning? Come on, lift your voice. It'll take one word from him this morning to empower you to be a witness no matter what you face this week. No matter what difficulty, no matter who got elected or what you don't like, he will give you power to do what he's called you to do. Amen. Come on, shout it out.